0: Thank you. I'm Father Mitch Pacwa, and welcome to EWTN Live. We're bringing you guests from around the world. Tonight, we want to talk about ways to uphold every person's dignity and religious freedom when it comes to health care, both for the patients and for the medical professionals. Before we get to that, though, I want to talk briefly with Peter Gagnon, about EWTN's coast-to-coast coverage of pro-life events coming up. Peter, what have you got for us?
1: Well, our coverage will continue even after the Dobbs decision. It's even more important for us to continue yes. to to highlight the pro-life efforts. And so we'll we go back to Washington D.C. Um, for the March for Life. We'll we'll begin tomorrow night with the vigil mass. Um, that'll lead up at 5 p.m. Eastern. So there's a a mass and a holy hour leading up to um, uh, the events the next day, which is our pro-life coverage. So we begin then on Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern is another mass, and then followed by our full coverage beginning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, full coverage of the march. We'll be on the ground doing interviews with people, covering the rally stage, et cetera. So um, our crew's already there setting up right now, and and Mm -hmm. it'll They're already saying people are already arriving and young people are arriving, so we want to continue to highlight that like we've done every year and and it doesn't stop. So so that begins our coverage. And then on the East Coast, biggest pro-life event of the year. And then we'll move to the West Coast on Saturday for the Walk for Life. So that's in San Francisco, and that will begin at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. Mm -hmm. And San Francisco will be on the ground there as well. Father Mark um, and um, Brother John Therese will be on the ground there, doing full coverage of the rally stage and the walk from there. And then after the Walk for Life in San Francisco, we go down to Los Angeles for One Life LA, so they're back to back events and we'll do the coverage from One Life LA as well. And then um, with, with the rally stage there and all the talks. And then after that, there's a mass from the cathedral in LA with uh, Archbishop Gomez. So we have all those events. In addition to that, we have lots of pro-life programming that we've been airing all this week and will continue throughout the weekend. Uh, people can go to EWTNnews.com forward slash pro-life. You'll see the different events that are happening as well as highlights for different programming and a lot of articles uh that the the register and um, cna are doing on pro-life activities and then one thing i did want to mention It is tied to pro-life, but it's a program, Mother Teresa, the Knights of Columbus put this together. It's it's, um, Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. It had a theatrical release a few months ago. Mm -hmm. EWTN is now going to be airing it on Saturday morning as well at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Beautiful program on Mother Teresa, who obviously was a spokesman for life throughout her whole life. So all of this can be found on our website, EWTN.com.
0: Great. Looks Mm -hmm. exciting. And... Looking forward to seeing all this. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes with tonight's guest, so please stay with us. guest tonight believes that each person is made in the image and likeness of God. And that's good, because that's what the Bible says. And that each person has infinite value. And because of that, health care in our country should respect and uphold every patient's dignity and protect the religious freedom of every patient and every medical professional to love and care for their patients. I want to show you a little clip about this.
2: Every person is unique, unrepeatable, infinitely worthy of dignity and respect. This truth has given birth to our greatest healthcare innovations and institutions.
3: And raised up champions for life, dignity, civil rights, and freedom throughout the centuries.
4: This truth has always faced opposition. People are dehumanized and marginalized. Stripped of their freedom,
3: dignity, and rights by a throwaway culture. Religious liberty is challenged. Life, dignity, and civil rights are under attack.
2: And over and over again, we see these attacks targeted at health care.
3: to life, the civil rights, the dignity of the most poor and vulnerable is under attack. And a large part of how we safeguard the life, the dignity, the well-being of those that are most vulnerable is by protecting uh, that right of medical conscience, that right of religious freedom. Too many undergraduates, too many medical students in the United States who are people of faith, who are people of ethical and moral religious convictions, are afraid to go into certain aspects of healthcare because of their beliefs. Too many of our medical doctors and nurses and physicians assistants have experienced coercion, fear, isolation, discrimination, in some cases termination, because of their beliefs. The very reason why so many medical professionals went into the healthcare arena, which is their moral and religious conviction that they had an obligation to love the patient, to love the sick and the suffering, is being attacked.
0: Here to share more about his work to promote public policy and education that fosters christ-centered pro-life medical care please welcome the ceo of the christ medicus foundation mr lewis brown jr lewis welcome great sir. to be with you father good to have you thank you for making that video there yeah it was good a pleasure job. It was a gift. good job good job um this is a very important thing but tell us why it's important? What have you been learning? You're not a doctor yourself. I'm an you? attorney. An attorney. Yes, that's right. And you're seeing this as an issue. Why? What, what's going on?
3: I think that what's going on in healthcare is one of the biggest issues of our time. Healthcare is something that everyone experiences, uh, and it the, the the level of our healthcare, the type of healthcare we have, is a ma- has a massive impact on the reality of whether we as a country are respecting and protecting human dignity from conception to natural death. It has a physical impact, we all know that, but it has a impact on one's emotional health, one's mental health, and most especially on one's spiritual health. So healthcare, how we respect the dignity of the human person, when we think of the unborn, but also when we think of uh, persons who are disabled, when we think about persons who are aged or elderly, when we think about folks that are sick and suffering with chronic diseases, this impacts uh, everyone, and ultimately it impacts uh, the ability of our society to shepherd souls back to God where they belong. So it's one of the most important issues of our time.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I'll never forget uh, the the words in an interview um, where uh, one of the politicians, that was Nancy Pelosi, mm-hmm. said that we have to include birth control and abortion in the health care bill back in 2009. Think of all the money we'll save were her words. That terminating life or preventing conception. Would save money so that on one hand you have folks in the government promising lots of health care for everybody if possible but not really because some people are too expensive and you know newborns are very expensive so they want to eliminate that that to me was encapsulated the issue and and I remember saying if that's what she thinks about the first year life, then this last year life, which I'm getting closer to all the time, that's the most expensive. And of course, they wanna promote suicide, mm-hmm. which I think is now the one of the number, top couple causes of death in places like Canada. So this is a very living issue.
3: Yeah, I think that statement takes off the unholy veil off of what we see going on Mm -hmm. uh, in the healthcare system. We're seeing the most unprecedented attack on medical conscience and religious freedom in our nation's history, particularly on Catholic and pro-life healthcare institutions from hospitals to medical clinics to pro-life doctors and nurses. Mm -hmm. And what that attack on medical conscience and religious freedom is doing is it's stripping ethics, it's stripping conscience, Mm -hmm. it's stripping human dignity and faith out of the healthcare system. And who loses when we strip conscience and faith and ethics out of the healthcare system? Persons with disabilities, racial minorities, people that live in rural areas, the rural poor, uh, folks that speak English as as a second language, and most especially the unborn, over 60 million that are killed. And we can't murder 60 million unborn children Uh, and not expect that to have a dehumanizing effect on all of society, particularly within healthcare. So we see, Father, that it's all connected. How we treat the unborn has a massive impact on how we treat patients that are most vulnerable uh, in their healthcare, and so we have to fight first uh, to protect the unborn, abolish abortion throughout, throughout the country. But second, we also have to protect medical conscience and religious freedom as a way of building the culture of life throughout the healthcare system and protecting all God's people in our country.
0: Do you know medical professionals, doctors, nurses, orderlies, other people, who actually have these kind of threats made against them?
3: Yes, I think think it's happening uh, every week in America. Mm -hmm. There is a pro-life medical professional, a medical professional whether because of their religious beliefs or because of their ethical convictions about the dignity of the human person. They're being persecuted in a soft way or a harder way, or they're just straight up being terminated. I know of a physician, a esteemed physician who's at the top of his profession, one of the top in the country in a a very conservative state, who was persecuted uh, by his school's administration in part uh, because of his pro-life beliefs and because of his traditional beliefs about human sexuality. I know of a a medical student in a very conservative state who experienced some level of persecution uh, because of her pro-life views. I know of a physician who has been using uh, the appropriate and legitimate and wonderful life-saving abortion reversal pill, who had her state's licensing agency go after her because of her use uh, of that very important, wonderful, Uh, product that we have in our country. And so this is happening all the time. When I speak to Catholic uh, medical students and would-be medical students, many of them are scared out of their mind to go into certain aspects of the medical profession because of the crackdown and the persecution going on, the attack on conscience of religious freedom. It's unconscionable in America that we have Catholic young people, Catholic uh, you know college students high school students that, that are saying maybe not high school but college students that are saying I'm afraid to go into this part of health care because I'm going to be fired or persecuted. It's unbelievable. That's not America That's not who we are. We have to make a change And you know,
0: I've actually heard of medical students getting somewhat harassed mm-hmm. uh, At least harassed if not worse Because they refuse to learn how to do an abortion they don't want right. to be part, and it was that used to be optional. Right, and they get harassed in medical school. Uh, the The Hippocratic oath right. is no longer required. In fact, uh, two of my roommates in grad school were medical students, and it was an option if you want to take the Hippocratic oath to do no harm. That's what it said. right? You had to go to a separate room from the graduation and do it with only those interested in it. And it was a minority that went into that room.
3: Yeah, and I I think that's happening all all the time. It's the normalization of the culture of death in healthcare. I've seen this in anecdotal stories that I just told you. Uh, I firmly served at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services as a political appointee in the Office for Civil Rights, and I can tell you what the current presidential administration is doing at HHS is unbelievable. They're coercing emergency departments nationwide in some circumstances to perform abortions. They're coercing pharmacists in some circumstances to prescribe abortifacients. Uh, They're attempting to coerce various medical professionals to perform transgender procedures. And at the federal and in, in some state governments, we are seeing a wholesale attempt to shut down Catholic healthcare or completely roll it back. That's what people want. People want Catholics, pro-life professionals, completely out of healthcare. And so we have to, through prayer, through love, through exercising our civic responsibilities, we have to fight back to defend conscience and religious freedom. But we also, Father, we have to expand Catholic medical care. We need Catholics that are going to say, you know what, I'm gonna be fully Catholic in every aspect of my life. I'm gonna make a Christ-centered healthcare decision for myself and for my family, for my business, uh, for the employment agency that I might run, for the university that I run, we need to divest, particularly after Dobbs, we need to divest out of the culture of death in our health care and invest in the culture of life by the personal decisions that we make as individuals, families, employers. Well,
0: all right, that sounds good, but what do they do concretely to invest in a pro-life health care? What, what concretely can sure. be done?
3: Sure, I think there's a couple things. I think the first thing is Uh, you know when when you're talking about that is looking at what are you doing uh, for you and your family Mm -hmm. Um, looking at your employer's insurance plan if you run a small business looking at uh, the insurance plan you have uh, looking at uh, Catholic and Christian health sharing options looking at Catholic health and wellness programs like the Curial ministry that we offer, prayerfully discerning what is God's plan for you and your family and your healthcare, and making a hard look at what you're supporting and subsidizing. It doesn't make sense for us as Catholics. We all should go to the March for Life. Everyone should go if you're watching, go to the March for Life, go to your state's March for Life. But it doesn't make sense for us to March for Life and then go home and have an insurance plan through our employer, through our small business that's subsidizing, participating, paying for Abortion, even if we don't know it, we have a moral responsibility there. So that's the first thing, is look at what's God's plan for my family uh, and for me in in healthcare. The second thing, support your local Catholic medical centers, Catholic hospitals, particularly that are faithfully uh, Christian, that are faithfully Catholic, that are abiding by uh, the, the church's magisterium. The third thing that I would say, and this is something that Christ Medicus Foundation is working on, is to discern with your local bishop, with your parish, with your pastor, with your local church community, building new Catholic primary care centers to care for pregnant mothers and their unborn children, not only to care for them, but to heal and transform their family. You see a beautiful example of that. I'm blessed to be on the board of Bella Health and Wellness uh, with the Chisholm family, who's amazing in Colorado. It's transforming Denver just by providing the love of christ in in the care that people receive uh, in denver that's transforming that community there Uh, the christ medicus foundation is uh, helping to lead the charge with other pro-life catholic partners uh, in the detroit area to build a new uh, medical center catholic medical center for pregnant mothers for children uh, and for families again, not just to care for their physical needs, but to help them meet the divine physician in their care and bring them into the womb of the Blessed Mother to accompany them and walk with them so that they meet Christ. That's what we need to be doing post Dobbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the work of the Christ Medicus Foundation. And more importantly, we believe it's the work of the Holy Spirit.
0: This, this is a very important kind of work because it, when somebody comes in for an abortion, or has been at least considering an abortion, there's usually a lot of other factors in that woman's life and probably in the father's life as well. I would assume mm-hmm, that in the father's right. life mm-hmm. that they are afraid to deal with a child mm-hmm. for some reason. Sometimes, you know, you, middle-class people because maybe they have, um, you know, career Choices and they want to put their career ahead of the life of a child. Other people are poor and at risk, and they're afraid. You know, sometimes a woman can even be afraid of the father of the child. Right. In the case where she may have been forced in some way, right. either raped or other kinds of force. These are, you know, they, risky situations. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you want to address more than just the pregnancy, but right. deal with these other issues too.
3: Right. That's right. The dream would be father, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit's been, I believe, really moving in this within the Catholic healthcare community, within the pro-life community, is that we have dozens of Catholic healing centers uh, where a patient walks in, a pregnant mother, or a person with disabilities, or just your, you know, your middle-class family. You know, here it's Catholic. Here comes everybody into a Catholic medical center that's really a healing center with a divine physician. They walk in, they encounter state-of-the-art physical medical care through amazing doctors and nurses. Uh, They are able to go for mental health counseling through a great Catholic physician. Uh, There's a prayer team there that might be able to pray with them uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to address some of their uh, spiritual uh, needs and any blockages they may have. There's also the sacraments. There's a chapel with confession and the sacraments so that they can experience Christ directly in the Eucharist and then Mm -hmm. into confession. And so that's that's what we see, the need to present the fullness of what Christ came to do, which is not just to... most importantly, starting with the child and to save the child's life, to protect her, to protect the mother, and to be with her and accompany her, but even more so to transform and heal them so that these pregnant mothers and their children and the father and the family and the community can live in the full reality of the sons and daughters of God that God created them to be. So that's the dream, that's what I think God's doing. I'm so excited to participate uh, in this work with many other partners
0: do you know where the very first hospital was invented and who invented it
3: uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure father
0: it was st. Cyprian in Africa hmm. during a plague hmm. started the very first hospital Wow the concept of the hospital is a Catholic invention right I didn't know that and st. Cyprian in North Africa invented it. Hmm. Wow! Now, this is something worth considering because it sounds like at this stage, Catholic hospitals have been under pressure because of medical insurance and all these other Mm. things. And a lot of them have sold everything but their name to large corporations who don't Hold Catholic values.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would that be correct? I think that's a huge issue. There, there needs to be. There, there are, there are Catholic hospitals and, and Catholic hospital administrators that are really trying, but but they're kind of in some challenges. They're up against it. There's others that have more serious challenges, but there needs to be a reformation uh, in Catholic healthcare. That's started already, but it needs to be greater, uh, particularly at those hospitals that have over-institutionalized and lost the mission of of christ which is coming to heal so that they can know who god is and who they are in christ so there's a need for that uh and we hope and we believe we are participating in that too but that's that's a vital need that's been around for some decades
0: well that's why i bring up saint cyprian right he invented the hospital right but now we're at a point where after we've had a lot of years of catholic hospitals in this country now we need to reinvent it because of various economic and political and social forces that have been going out to undercut our Catholic
3: values. That's right. No, I very much agree with that, Father, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, and that's, uh, so this is called Christus Medicus? Christ Medicus Foundation, uh, the divine physician, and a large part of what we do so that's is... That's what medicus means. Right, that's right, that's right. Physician. That's right. And a large part of what we're also doing is Curo, which is a catholic health and wellness ministry it's part of our foundation um it has a, a health sharing options for catholics uh, nationwide uh, mm-hmm. catholics in over 40 states are part of the ministry but we also launched in november expanded services for folks that may not be interested in health sharing but want to encounter C- god christ more directly in their health care so we're providing spiritual direction uh, Catholic health coaching. Uh, we have an amazing spiritual director, amazing uh, Catholic health, health coach, Michael Vaca and uh, Rebecca Wilson. And also, Catholic online wellness programs focused on uh, relaxing, truly relaxing uh, as a child of God, uh, refueling, looking at your nutrition uh, from the right. Uh, perspective, mm-hmm. uh, looking at men's health. What are some uh, ways to, for, for us as men or for us, for not for us, but for women to improve their health. Yeah. Uh, and those things are steeped in Catholic anthropology. And it's providing a community for Catholics to really come together and to live as God made them to be fully alive, even in uh, their health and wellness needs, particularly after pandemic that's so needed right now, and I am so excited. I can tell you with a straight face what, what God is doing through our Curo ministry. It's transforming the lies by helping people, re- transforming lies by helping people reject some of the lies that they may be believing about themselves or how God made them and live uh, again as the son and daughter of God that they've been created to be.
0: Yeah, I think you know, part of the mood of the country is that men and women are about the same and our no. health care it has different emphases. The needs of women are not the same as the needs of men. And that, you know, that should should be obvious, but sure. I'm afraid some people have been educated beyond their intelligence.
3: And so they. Don't no, you're right. And that's realize. a major issue. I mean, I, I once did, when I was at HHS, I did some research on some of the funding. This is all, you know, it's all public, but there are at least, I think, from what, from my memory, hundreds of billions of dollars of uh, research and different funding programs that the federal government does through HHS uh, that on some level is based on the biological scientific reality Mm -hmm. of the beautiful difference between, and a complementarity between men and and women. So it's it's a beautiful thing, but we need to live again in the truth of things. Yes,
0: yes, and this is said by a young man who's now engaged to be married to a nice lady. Yes, she's amazing, yeah. You'll see the complimentary. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to let people know where they can find out more. Christ Medicus, which means Christ the, the physician. Right. ChristMedicus.org is for the Christ Medicus Foundation. Right. And what will they find there?
3: Sure. I, they'll see a lot of our, you know, we, we the big thing we do at Christ Medicus is we promote and educate folks about religious freedom. Uh, and medical conscience and opportunities to participate in pro-life healthcare. So they'll find articles, uh, they'll find some of the uh, the, uh, the uh, things we've written on bioethics, on uh, medical conscience rights, on different things going on in ha- Catholic healthcare, they can also go to cmfcuro.com, which is well, our I was going health to say, ministry. But first
0: of all, I just want to know what they can get at christmedicus.org. Sure, sure. That's I, think, first I think
3: christmedicus.org is one of the best places. What we're doing there, we have a weekly newsletter. We have quarterly uh, written newsletters where we're educating Catholics across the country on <laughs> the top-of-line things going on on religious freedom and health care, how they can participate on the fights on medical conscience rights, and what's going on in Catholic health care. We're also blessed... To have co-founded, uh, along with the Catholic Medical Association, Catholic Bar Association, National Catholic Bioethics Center, and Catholic uh, and, the, and the Catholic Benefits Association, we co-founded, led by Bishop Conley, the Catholic Healthcare Con- Leadership Alliance of Nebraska, Nebraska Lincoln, Nebraska. Nebraska. He's amazing. Okay. And so we co-founded the Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance about a year ago, as a new voice, a new umbrella voice for Catholic healthcare, Christ-centered in the United States. So. Uh, Christ Medicus is an outstanding resource, one of the best to stay on top of religious freedom and conscience issues. And then Curo. And Curo is, I believe, an amazing new Catholic health and wellness option for individuals and families. So across for the people who would
0: be looking for health insurance. Right.
3: Well it's not it's not insurance, thank right. God. But it's right. a way to pay for your medical costs in a way that's very truly Christian. But if you're not interested in health health, a health sharing option, we also have these uh, uh, wellness and healing uh, programs that are for Catholics, for young people, for adults, for families, and it's having a massive impact on our members. Great,
0: great, all right. It just sounds to me that, you know, after Dobbs,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, where we've been fighting against the federal government, the court system, federal court system, permitting, uh, uh, decriminalizing, specifically, abortion. Right. Now we're working to the next step, which is to build up a more positive. The the fight against abortion is one stage, and we still have more to do, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but building up a more positive orientation towards human life and dignity is the next stage, and these are key moments in that. Would that be-
3: Absolutely true. It's all connected, and particularly you know, if you want to, I, I believe that everyone should be Catholic and I believe that everyone needs to know Jesus Christ, right? So if you want to see abortion gone and the culture of death gone in two seconds, that's number one, evangelization. We have to evangelize. Yep. So as, as I told a, a wonderful uh, uh, law professor in, at a Catholic university, if you, want more, uh, if you want a more Christian country, a Judeo-Christian country, uh, you need more folks uh, that are Christian. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. At the, short of that, we have to look as a pro life community in healthcare. We have to look at healthcare yeah. because that's where it's determined.
0: We have to take a break right now. We're going to come back in just a couple minutes with your questions and questions from our studio audience. So please stay with us. to questions. We want to take a minute to wish Sister Albert Berry of the Daughters of Charity a happy 100th birthday. She turned 100 last Monday, January 9th. She watches EWTN Live and other shows on the network at her nursing home. And I'll bet, being that she's a nun, she's probably in charge of that nursing home. (laughs) But Sister Mary Albert Berry has been a member of the Daughters of Charity for 81 years. She's been a nun longer than most men and women live. This proves something, that nuns are the group that live the longest in our society. Second longest are single women who are not nuns. Third longest are married women. Fourth longest are married men. And single men live the shortest. This proves men need women a lot more than they need us. (laughs) But happy birthday, sister, and many more. I would say in Polish, may you live 100 years, but you already did that, so we'll have to figure out a new one for you. God bless you. All right. You ready for some questions? Yes, sir. Let's start off with Martin in Pennsylvania. Martin, what can we do for you today?
4: Yeah. How are you doing, Father Mitch and uh, Attorney Brown? Uh, I'm an attorney also out here in Pennsylvania. And um, what I would point out is the— uh, The ethics in the medical profession have declined directly with the third-party payment systems that have come in. And I I don't know if you remember, like, when the attorneys managed to fight off third-party payment systems a couple of decades ago, but that was when I was getting started. And so much of the immorality in the medical industry is driven by the money, and the money pours in from not the patients. Patients don't go to the doctor to get killed or have their family members killed or have— all kinds of terrible things done to them, they go to get better, to get cured. And I think what you're on with uh, getting the Catholic hospitals into a holistic environment and a whole different revenue stream is 100% what's needed in this country. And I'll just hang on the line, and you guys can talk about what I just said.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you, First of all, Lewis, would you explain what third-party payment means? What is what is that?
3: Uh, yeah, it a lot might of us not, don't know. Sure, a third-party payment system, it might not be, uh, it may not be the best thing to try to explain in, in this format, but I do think that he had, you know, uh, the attorney's larger point, which is so much of the problems in the healthcare system are generated by the financial motive. It, when we started out as a country, Uh, and really when Western civilization started uh, what became the modern health system around the world, it was focused on caring for the sick and suffering under the principle that I have love for God and I have a responsibility Mm -hmm. to take care of my neighbor. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that has moved away from an emphasis on caring for the sick and the suffering, an emphasis on caring for the patient, into an emphasis on the profit and the financial motive Uh, which is what I think the attorney is speaking towards chiefly, and that's a massive problem. We need to return our healthcare system at a policy level and at an industry level to be centered on uh, the human person, their human dignity, and their flourishing.
0: Okay, all right. We have another caller. Hello, Bill. Hello. Hi, you're also in Pennsylvania. Yeah. What can we do for you today? Well, I was wondering, um, about the trend toward euthanasia that
2: there's so much focus on. Yes. And, uh, well, I'm just myself and, um, I know so many people that
0: are not getting some procedures that they could get done because the medical
4: profession won't do it because of their age. Okay.
0: So because of people's age, they are not getting medical care. And that's why I mentioned earlier that the most expensive year of your medical life is usually your last year.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Talk about that, too, the, the age of not getting care.
3: Yeah, that, that's a very important point that I think is underemphasized. Um, when I served at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, um, we did outstanding work uh, led by a friend of mine, Roger Severino, who's, who's an outstanding lawyer. Uh, and we really enforced federal civil rights laws to protect patients, uh, to protect communities across the country. Mm-hmm. One of the things I was most uh, concerned about and just alarmed by um, was brought to my attention um, through an article by a physician who was the U.S. Army Consultant during the War Crimes Tribunal in Nuremberg, Dr. Leo Alexander, and he wrote mm-hmm. a paper in 1949, "Medical Conscience uh, under uh, Medical Science under Dictatorship," and he talked about he w- it was a warning to Catholic, excuse me, it was a warning to American physicians in the medical community in the United States to say uh, that that he was seeing a increasing uh, transformation of our healthcare system away from a focus on caring for. Uh, the sick and suffering, regardless of the ability to rehabilitate them, and a greater emphasis on, let's just care for those that can be rehabilitated. Let's just care for those uh, that can fully recover. Let's just care for the planned, uh, the fit, uh, and the valuable. Uh, And that's very dangerous. And so what we're seeing in this country is an onslaught of the culture of death, not only at the beginning of life, but also. At the end of life, one of the major issues that Christ Medicus works on, uh, one of you know, it's not it's not it is quite as uh, big of an emphasis as medical conscience and religious liberty, and the expansion of pro-life care, but is this issue of the denial of medical care uh, for patients that have chronic illnesses, that have brain injuries, uh, that is in a massive issue in the United States right now, where we're seeing the denial of care be- for people because. Of their age or be, or because they're believed to no longer have lives worth living uh, because of their medical conditions it's alarming it's serious and more needs to be done about it we're trying to do what we can
0: this reminds me of an article i read back in 1968 That's a long time ago but it was i was taking a sociology course and in this article the the, the lady who wrote it, the, she was a Doctor of Sociology, um, had said there was a pattern of societies that do not care for the weak and vulnerable, whether because of disability, age, or because, of, as children, they're not wanted. Those societies, historically, tend to be the most violent societies. The less we care for our vulnerable uh, fellow citizens, the more prone our society is to violence. And we see that going on today as the murder rates and other acts of violence are increasing. Something for us to consider very carefully with this. We have a question from our studio audience. Ma'am, where are you from?
2: I'm Mary Bergeron. I'm actually from Irondale. I live about oh, a half a mile from here. Oh, well, so, yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Good and, to and have
0: you. And what can we do for you this fine day?
2: So you were talking about young people and going into the medical field and how overwhelming the idea can be for them to enter that field and then actually practice their faith as they practice medicine. And I'm just kind of wondering if you had concrete thoughts about how to reach those people to help them realize that dream of, you know, providing medical care. And secondly, if you think some t- this should start like as a grassroots kind of movement, like go out into the rural areas, establish a practices, practices there that can be implemented on a larger scale in the cities. I'm just wondering if, like, trying to do this with the conglomerates sure it i can think kind of yeah. overwhelming
3: no that, thank you for the question okay. and you uh very well said and uh it's a very important question for young people for families for college students today so uh, a, a couple thoughts on that the first thought is um, to go into for young folks that are thinking about a vocation uh, in the medical professional to go in with holy boldness, to listen to the Holy Spirit, and if the Holy Spirit's telling you to go, go in with holy boldness, with no fear, and don't look back. That's number one. I would say the second thing is, go with Christ-centered community. Go with a Catholic community. It's important that young people going into the healthcare fields don't go it alone. They need to be surrounded uh, with a Catholic health community, other people pursuing Jesus and pursuing uh, the healing healthcare professions. The third thing I would tell them, and this is a plug for the Catholic Medical Association, the Catholic Medical Association is doing outstanding work to prepare uh, their, our younger folks for a lifelong vocation uh, as a Catholic healthcare uh, professional. Uh, the work of Dr. Uh, Tom McGovern uh, with their boot camp that they have—that's outstanding. That's important, so we're prepared right now as a church, not as much as we could be, but CMA, Catholic Medical Association, is doing outstanding work to prepare young people for a lifelong vocation in in the medical profession.
0: And, you know, one of the things that uh, is also going on is that sub, uh, you know, specialties, Mm -hmm. like Catholic pediatricians and such, those are also being developed so that they can Reflect, and there are a lot of very important questions of ethics that have to be you know, thought through. It's not just an automatic re- reaction off the seat of your pants. There are complications you have to think through carefully. Right. And apply, and they help each other with that as well as support in their vocation to right. help save lives.
3: That's correct, yeah, no, that's correct. I mean, you, the power of, uh, for instance, Divine Mercy University, which is a graduate school for uh, mental, mental health uh, and the mental health fields and, and psychology fields, uh, they're creating a greater Catholic community of mental health professionals that are serving. Um, it's not just that we're seeing an attack on conscience and religious liberty in uh, the physical, uh, medical, uh, healthcare field we're also seeing it in the counseling profession massively uh, because of uh, the onslaught of gender theory within healthcare so uh, it's not just doctors and nurses it's also counselors psychologists etc
0: and that's extremely important, Very important because you know right now there's a tension but for some folks, they've actually stated that their goal in, or, or one of their goals, in helping young people to uh, have gender-affecting operations is that it's a big moneymaker. It's mm-hmm. 450000 bucks.
3: Right. And and it's victimizing the patients. I mean, yeah. it's the, the research shows, and I looked at this when I was at HHS, the research is is absolutely conclusive uh, that uh, transgender procedures are absolutely unethical and destructive for the patient. They're harmful uh, for the young people. Yeah. It creates an internal, uh, an internal struggle between the person, between their biological, scientific, chemical reality of who they are and how God made them to be, uh, and something else that is uh, taking them away. It's really harming their, their own dignity. Uh, some of the work of Dr. Bob Schutz and his, his book, Be Restored, which is amazing, goes into great detail uh, about that. It's an outstanding way to understand uh, why God's plan uh, for the flourishing of the human person uh, is so vital.
0: We have another caller. Hello, Louise? Yes. Yes. Yeah, you're calling from Michigan?
2: Yes, I'm calling from the Metro Detroit area.
0: That's sort of your home turf. That's
3: right, that's where I'm originally from. So what can we do for you today?
2: Well, I know Mr. Brown's mom. We go to the same parish.
0: Wait a minute—an inside job, eh?
2: No, no, I didn't hear it from her. I heard it from another parishioner. So I have to turn you on, Father Mitch. I want you all oh, the time, anyway.
0: Well, thanks for getting me another person to watch That's the show. Great. That's great. No, my great. mom Sharon's amazing.
2: <laughs> she is. She is what i wanted to ask was about we have ascension hospitals here um they took over some existing hospitals and i'm wondering is it really a catholic hospital i don't know of anyone that's gone to one have you heard anything about them
3: sure i i wouldn't want to you know and i appreciate the question so much uh, louise Uh, i wouldn't want to go into there's a lot of uh, various challenges and difficulties um, that are out there for various Catholic health systems. And in this venue, I wouldn't want it to opine on a particular health system, um, you know, uh, for, for a lot of different reasons. But I, I know this, I know that we need uh, Catholic healthcare. Um, I've seen uh, family members that have benefited uh, from the availability of a Catholic hospital. I had a, a, a good friend of mine uh, who had a very serious uh, heart procedure Uh, that was an emergency at a wonderful uh, Catholic hospital on the East Coast. Uh, And just the presence of Catholic health care, particularly when people are having the most serious, urgent emergency conditions, uh, it's vital. Um, And so I wouldn't want to, again, opine on a particular system or not. uh, But I will say this. For those Catholic health systems that are are doing what they can for those catholic health administrators that are doing what they can we're grateful for you uh, we hope the holy spirit will even embolden you to even do more uh, but there's a need for for catholic health care generally uh, to improve and to always get better but we're grateful for what catholic health systems are doing uh, to advance the mission of christ for their patients
0: and maybe what she could do is talk to some catholic uh, health care people because you don't live there anymore you haven't for a while so Talk to somebody local who's a Catholic healthcare person. Find out from them what's going on. They they would have more of an inside uh, line as to the, the Catholicity of the system. That'd be my suggestion. We also have Suzanne from Canada. Suzanne, what can we do for you today?
2: Well, hello, I'm so thrilled to hear your show. This is so important. and. Um, I worked as a frontline worker for, like, the whole, you know, pandemic until, until such time as the rollout, so I never missed a day. I was, like, you know, one of the hero frontline workers until they asked me to bring some, one of my clients with disabilities for an mRNA vaccine, and I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. It's an experimental medicine, and I don't agree with it, and I'm, I think that your constitution and bylaws probably would say the same thing like this is experimental you should not be bringing people with disabilities there's a lot of concerns about these um, shots and then I lost my job and now I live you know in a you know the area where I live anyway Um, you can't get a job unless you get the vaccine and I don't agree with the mRNA vaccine and and, and it, it became politics. Um, the universities have also been taken over by, you know, the woke agenda. So if you are pro-life, it's um, very difficult to, um, <laughs> to work and function in this society unless you, you know, just want to take a minimum wage job. Mm. Yeah, I, no.
3: Thank, I,
0: thank you for sharing that, Suzanne. no i
3: appreciate the question very much no i mean i think when it came to you know we spoke out very much uh, against uh, uh, vaccine mandates uh, for the simple fact that uh, you know we look to the congregation of the doctrine of the faith to more deeply understand the church's uh, teaching and as the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith said in December 2020, that medical interventions must necessarily uh, be voluntary, i.e., they should not be uh, coerced, that individuals should be able to have, engage in informed consent uh, as to the medical interventions uh, that, yep. they, that they take or do not take. So that's important, and yes, of course, you know, at the university level, unfortunately, too many colleges uh, are going into uh, theories and ideologies that are not consistent with the truth.
0: All right. We have another caller. We have just a couple of minutes left, but Maureen, you're in Arizona. What's your uh, question?
2: Um, hi, Father. Um, I don't know who would answer, but how do you how do you present a right of conscience to a non-Catholic doctor, like if you object to a vaccine or COVID shot or whatever?
3: Okay. Very important question. Sure. Um- when we think about conscience, when we think about the well-formed conscience, uh, it, it is something that includes our religious convictions and religious belief, but it's even broader than that. Uh, when we think about conscience, we're thinking about our, our moral or ethical or our philosophical beliefs in addition to our religious beliefs. So uh, conscience, medical conscience is very important. Um, certain procedures are just inherently uh, unethical, uh, immoral. Um, and so I believe it's important for us uh, as Catholics to appeal to uh, people of goodwill, to people of faith, but people that may not hold uh, our faith beliefs uh, from a place of morals, ethics, uh, and philosophy rooted in the truth and dignity into the human person.
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, when you deal with that, you can find, you know, talk to the doctor about not why the Catholic Church says this isn't right, That probably wouldn't help in the conversation, but here are the principles why a certain type of medicine, say from a a, a fetus, the fetus did not give you permission to get the material that they're trying to use for medical research or development. So if they didn't give permission, I don't have the right to take something that by which they lost their life. That would be a way to think through the issue on the basis of ethics, rather than what the church says or scripture. That may help you a little bit to think those things through. Again, I want to push uh, you to take a look at ChristMedicus.org. That's the Christ Medicus Foundation. Find out more about medical ethics and other questions. And cmfcuro.com, which is Catholic Health and Wellness Ministry and helps you to find ways to pay for your health care. Thank you for a great conversation and for this great information. Thank you. And may the Lord bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We can bring you... Lewis Brown and all of our other guests, plus the March for Life and Walk for Life uh, programming over the next few days, only because this network is brought to you by you. You make it possible by keeping us in between your gas bill, your electric bill, and your cable bill. If you do that, we'll be able to pay our bills too. God bless you and thank you.
4: Thanks, Father. That great.